combo. Nation, what up? What up? What up, everyone? Welcome to episode 90 of Combo's Court, and I am Combo. Big shouts to everyone listening to Combo's Court across the globe. Go rate, review, and punch down that subscribe button right on your Apple Podcast app. Today's show, Bleacher Report and FS1's Rick Fuker joins in to talk NBA. A great conversation with Rick. I think you guys are going to really enjoy this episode. You could follow Rick on Twitter at Rick Buecher. That's R-I-C-B-U-C-H-E-R. You know you could follow me on Instagram at 1-2-Combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. Make sure you go subscribe to Rick's podcast, Buecher and Friends. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. Today. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Um, I saw you played soccer in college, actually. How'd you get into covering basketball? I uh, well, basketball was always uh, a love of mine, and uh, ultimately uh, the the dream of of uh, first just covering college basketball. Uh, had the opportunity to go to an NCAA tournament, and I just loved. Uh, I just love the atmosphere. I love covering four games in a day, and uh, and so there was always basketball was always a passion of mine. I grew up; I'm a first generation American. Uh, my parents are both German, so uh, I grew up with soccer, and I was a better soccer player than I was a basketball player. So um, uh, at least at, at least through, through college. And uh, so I always loved playing, but I was better at one. But the idea of covering the sport in this country wasn't uh, didn't seem like a very smart career path, particularly at that time. And so I I went to my uh, my next uh, or equally favorite sport. And there's a lot of there's a lot of elements when it comes to footwork and strategy and 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 aspects like that that are uh, that are similar. So. Um, and I also just I just believe in general when you, when you begin to understand competition and preparation and teamwork and all of those things, there's a lot of commonality between between all of the sports. But I think in in basketball and soccer in particular, it's funny you say you weren't sure if it was the right career path. The game has grown so much since then. Yeah, it's it has, and it's funny because FS1. I've actually talked to them about. Uh, doing some, some soccer coverage and oh, okay. which would be which would be a lot I would I would love to do it that would be a lot of fun but it's now I laugh you know when I, when I was a kid there was an hour special called Soccer Made in Germany and I lived to watch that once a week on Saturday and it was basically just a highlight reel of uh, the Bundesliga and now okay. you know you, you can dial up uh, EPL games and international games left and right it's a it is a definitely it's a it's a different universe uh i think it speaks to how globally we've become because i don't know right. if it's 
soccer in this country. It certainly it's it's better than it was, but uh, I think the real appeal to soccer fans in America is being able to see the international competition. We still want to see the best of the best in whatever it is, and simply that we have access to uh, we have access to the best of the best, no matter where it might be played. Right, that'd be cool to start covering soccer again, bring you back to your college days and uh, your childhood. Um, let's let's shift to the NBA, though. Uh, Ty Lue turns down the Lakers' head coaching job and accepts an assistant job with the Clippers. What do you make of it? I would say that, number one, he wanted a certain amount of security uh, from the administration in the front office, management essentially, knowing that uh, he was going to have to preside over LeBron James, and he knows what that's like. And that not given that security, not given that authority by length of contract, basically having the belief that they were all in on him, uh, I, I think that he decided that it wasn't it wasn't worth what the challenge was going to be. And it was part of that LeBron you feel? Yeah, 100%. I mean, look, it's not as if it's a a bad relationship, but anybody who's coached LeBron, anybody who's worked with LeBron, that's a load. (laughs) He just, by dint of his stardom and and, and the power that he wields, you, I mean, I did a thing, uh, I did a story back in December uh, about the yin-yang of playing with LeBron, and it was more from a player perspective but I ended up talking to a lot of executives, and I, and I, what I was really curious about, I think it was about the time that there were a lot of trade rumors. You know, should the Lakers trade LeBron? Should they tear it up and you know move in a, another direction as the experiment failed? And so I called around just to get a sense of like what. Okay, so if they did, what would the market? And I had two owners tell me. Yeah, one said, you know what? I, I just don't think we're in a place where we would make that deal, and uh, because we're we're in a, a rebuilding mode, so it doesn't make any sense. And another said, yeah, I'd give up a young player and a, and a first round pick, but I don't know that I I give up more more than that. And so, uh, it, it, essentially, it was if you get LeBron, you have to hand over the authority of your franchise to him. And when when he was winning championships. Most everybody was willing to do that. I was like, okay, so I have to hand over the control to him, but I'm going to get championship out of it, so it's worth it. Right. And right. now it's, well, I don't know that I'm going to get a championship out of it, and I'm still going to have to hand over the authority. So I think that's where I think that's where things have changed, and I think Ty, having had that experience, was like, yeah. you know what, I need, a, I need a certain amount of security for me to do this. And not getting it, he gets to, you know, rejoin forces with Doc. He still gets to be in in L.A. Um, you know, there's a question of how much longer Doc wants to coach. So I think it allows Todd to get back into the business. And I, I don't know where his health is, too. You know, I mean, he, he was not in a good way health-wise, and I assume that he's better now. But, uh, again, you know, his his health went south. Coaching, you know, being being in that vice grip of LeBron James and and Dan Gilbert, that's not an enviable place to be. That's that's what as much what David Griffin was talking about when he talked about his experience in Cleveland. Focus was on the on the relationship with LeBron, but it really was trying to serve two masters, Dan Gilbert and uh, LeBron James. And so, having had that experience, 
Uh, I think Ty knew what he was getting into and what he needed to be able to uh, to survive in it. Right. You know, you just spoke to how you basically have to hand all the authority off to LeBron. Mel is a great friend of LeBron, but for some mm-hmm. reason he never ended up on the Lakers. Why do you feel that? Yeah. Because I honestly believe that LeBron understands what Melo is and isn't right now. And while they might be friends, does this fit with where I want to go and what I want to accomplish? And I'm not, like, I, the the other part that I have not heard is, you know, is that where Melo wants to go? Is that really what Melo wants to do? How has the role that he would have there be described to him? Because the reality is that Melo has struggled as a role player, and that's what he could thrive in now. If you play with LeBron James, I don't care who you are, uh, you're going to be a role player. You're, right. I, I don't care where you are in the, in, the, in, the, in the arc of your career. It's why so many guys have turned down the opportunity, because yeah. They know you are definitively, at best, number two. And you, the, the systems run off of what LeBron does. And again, I don't fault him for any of that because of all the finals that he's taken teams to and the championship contenders that have been built off of that premise. But that's the reality. And if you're a player at this stage, again, this is what's most interesting about where LeBron is and where the league is right now. Like, LeBron is at that turning point now where it used to be you didn't want to ruffle his feathers. If you had a chance to get him, if you had a chance to play with him, more often than not, guys would say, yeah, sign me up. And now it's like, well, it's a huge shadow that I'm going to be playing in. I'm not guaranteed that I'm going to go to the finals, much less win a championship. Do I really want to make all the sacrifices that are necessary for that? And... Uh, and I, you know, for the most part, guys are saying, eh, you know what, it's not worth it. I got, if I got a better option, I'm going to take it. Yeah, the proof is in the pudding. I mean, look at Kawhi, look at P, look at uh, PG-13. Uh, yep. KD's injury, man, is it fair to say that KD or the Warriors knew there was an issue with the Achilles before it totally blew out? Well, I, you know, it's funny. I, I, I just look at it, I looked at it from the outside, and I was like, how do they? How do you not know that where the injury was? You know, and we're like we're 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 reading all sorts of tea leaves. You know, where he was icing it, where he grabbed it when it when he hurt it the first time, where he where he grabbed it when he hurt it the second time. And but I've talked to people in the organization, and they say to a man, we were told, and the doctors, three doctors were uh, unanimous in saying it's not it's not affected by the Achilles. Do you believe that? Achilles is not... Well, I, I don't... I, I have no other choice but to believe okay. that just because, you know, we can, we can observe and make judgment, but the people who would know, and people that I trust, people that I talk to on a regular basis that... Uh, don't didn't have don't have a reason to to lie to me in in this situation and know that if they did that that I'd find out that they'd lie to me are 
look, they say it's the most uh, unfortunate thing, and the doctors are all, you know, um, flabbergasted at what happened. It, it, it caught them unawares. I, I still stand by this, you know. I don't care how yeah. many doctors uh, diagnosed it. I don't care what they thought. The fact of the matter is they got it wrong. They got it wrong, and it's costing Katie a year. And this will, this is the one element. Like, I don't know whether it was Achilles or late, but I was told early on, by, by after, after the calf, the initial calf injury, I was told early on by people around him, um, it, it's not worth the risk, and that they were telling Katie it was not worth the risk. Now, whether that was because there was a high probability that he could uh, pull the calf again or tear the calf. And, and, and the Warriors aren't dismissing that they were, you know, that the possibility existed that he could pull the calf again. They never thought the Achilles would happen, but they knew that the possibility that the calf would happen. And, and right. both they and KD were willing to roll that dice. Um, but people around him were saying, look, dude, it's not worth it. It's not worth the risk. The risk is too great. About to become a free agent, and Katie went dark on those people, uh, you know, in the week leading up to when he finally played. Because ultimately, he wanted to hear what he wanted to hear because he wanted to play. And he's he's looking around. Andre's playing. Andre Iguodala's playing hurt. Javon Looney's playing hurt. Clay Thompson's playing hurt. Uh, go down. Demarcus Cousins is playing hurt. And the idea that he wasn't going to play because of his injury was just really hard. For, for him to ignore. Okay. So, Zion, man. Um, I, Rick, I love talking about, like, projecting NBA players' potential. We do it all the time on this podcast. Um, <laughs> you know, they just had a survey with his peers, and they don't feel like he'll be the best player to his draft. I, be, uh, I, I don't know if you know what Shot Phillips. Of course, he's been on Fox Sports. He's been on my show talking about Cam. He believes Cam could be the best player to come out of this year's draft, especially if he goes to Atlanta. He's in Atlanta. <clears throat> How do you, who do you feel will be the best player of this year's draft? And do you feel that Don has the potential to be a generational talent? I, well, it's interesting. I, like, to me, John Morant is a guy that I think has the greatest upside. Um, physically, he's a little skinny, and, uh, and that's, that's my chief concern. But how he plays the game, the way he plays the game, and the position that he plays, to me, I think he can be the most impactful player in this draft. It's funny. I look at the players that Pelicans drafted, and I get more excited about Alexander and Jackson Hayes, their their other two picks, than I do Zion. And that's not to say that I don't think Zion can be a really good player, but I think he has been dramatically overrated to this point. I think he's a I think he's a generational athlete. In terms of playing the game and the skill set that he needs, I I think there's a lot of work to be done there. And that's what worries me, and I believe is the real reason that they shut him down in summer league, in part because he tweaked, uh, he, had the, he had the injury. But I think the bigger part was there's already an immense amount of pressure on him. Because I mean, people have been talking about him, he's like he's the next LeBron. He's not anywhere close to the next LeBron. He doesn't have, he doesn't have anything remotely similar to the skill set. Yeah, I just, I, just, I, just, I, I just had this argument on the on, on my last pod that Zion is not – like, he's not close to LeBron, and when they were 18, that was the argument. And 
not close to me. Yeah. So I, I think that he has a chance to be a very impactful player, um, but the athleticism, you know, having being a superior athlete in the NBA uh, will keep you in the NBA. Yeah. But it's not going to make you a star. You have to be able uh, because the teams are too smart. There's too much other great athleticism, and you've got to have you got you have to be able to play the game. You have to be able to have a skill set. And I think the biggest thing is that I haven't seen anything that makes me think that Zion is a playmaker. I think he can finish. I he think pass, he, he could pass well in transition. He could pass a little it, bit. Yeah, yeah, but but I mean, if we're talking about like a generational player. You're orchestrating your offense. You're playing your offense through that guy. Right, right. Uh, you got to give me a little bit more than uh, he passes well in transition. If I'm, yeah. if I'm, again, it's the height. Generational player, next LeBron. That is a man. That's a pedestal. That very. I mean, how many guys do we see that? You know, repeatedly that we tried to put on the Michael Jordan pedestal. The Harold Miners of the world. Oh man, that's and yeah. and how it and and how like and how it not only did it did they not achieve that, but it really undermined them because that, that's the that's the biggest thing is we don't go from, uh, you know what he's not he's not Michael Jordan but he was still a really good player. It's like, oh he's a, he's not Michael Jordan he's a bum. <laughs> yeah. Like, he didn't he didn't live up to what we thought he was gonna be, so he's a bum. And that psychological pressure uh is can can be a, a huge burden for guys. It's it's why, you know, being the number one pick, not everybody not every guy is cut out to be the number one pick. Markel Fultz and the and the weight that came with being the number one pick, he wasn't cut out to be that to be that. And uh, and I just I wonder if things had been a little bit different. If he'd been the third or fourth pick, it would be a little bit different. It's a, it's a great advantage that John Moran has. Like John Moran doesn't John Moran's not expected to be the best player in his draft class. Zion right. Williamson, if he's not the best player in the draft class, he will be looked at as a disappointment. And that is, man, that's tough because as you noted, as I noted, there's there there are a handful of guys that ultimately could end up being the best player in the draft. Yeah, and talking about generational players, the two players that I look at that I think have generational potential, I mean, obviously, Stas Giannis are Luka Doncic and Ben Simmons, especially if you get the jump shot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I, I'm, on a, I'm in a real wait-and-see uh, place when it comes to Ben Simmons. I don't put him in the category of those, those other two guys. Uh, Giannis, I'm most intrigued by because uh, obviously he's a superlative physical uh, being. Um, and the way he reads the game in the playoffs concerns me a little bit to be a generational player, and I don't know how much that could be learned. That's my only thing. Well, I think I think a big part of that is, and I agree with you, but I think a big part of that is he just does he doesn't have the ability to operate from different places on the floor. And so when your go-to moves are limited, it limits what, like how you can draw attention and where you can operate from on the floor. So he generally, for him to be effective, 
he's got to get deep in the paint, and then he's looking. If he doesn't have something, he's looking to pass. That's a pretty wow. limited against a good team. That that's going to limit you. If he can get a a, a mid range where he can work off of, you know, can kind of develop that Paul Pierce, Kobe Bryant mid post game off the elbows, and he has a jumper that, like, you you either you you have to give him something. And he can consistently knock down that jumper, and then you got to close a little bit to put pressure on that. That will yeah. open up everything else. And I just need to see him develop that. Yeah, he's an incredible player. And to speak to your point, like, you know, we all like players that can score in three levels. He really could only score in one consistently, yep. even though it's so dominant as of now. Yep. Yeah. yeah. No. And that's, yeah. So I need to see, uh, I need to see a lot of growth there. And he has the work ethic, and I've, you know, I know a number of, of coaches that have worked with him and, and believe in him. They've, they've told me he'll get there because he really he wants to get there. And that's where that's where Ben Simmons loses me because he's been around long enough knowing that he needs a jump shot. He had his entire rookie year when he wasn't playing to develop that jump shot. After, the, after he finally played a year and he got exposed, he had a summer to develop a jump shot. We haven't, like, we haven't seen it. When, when are you going to get to it? Yeah, I know. If he's capable of it, what are, what are we waiting for? Yeah, I don't get it. I don't understand. You should definitely be working on that. And the Sixers should be making sure he should be making sure of it. That's definitely yeah. sure. Um, have you heard any new, man, the, the Marcus injury? It's, it's so it's so unfortunate. Um, it really bothers me because like, he was in the prime of his career, and I spoke about this on other podcasts. Like, I feel like him and Isaiah Thomas just lost so much money. And on top yeah. of that, yeah. you know, yeah. it's their career. You know, they worked so yeah. hard to get to this point. Um, but have you any have you heard any news on the Lakers' search for a center? Yeah, well, I, I mean, they are. You know, they're going to kick the tires on Joakim Noah and Dwight Howard, and uh, there was a couple other guys that they were going to take uh, a look at. Um, you know, the reality is they're not going to find somebody who's going to be a game changer. And I'm not even certain at this point that DeMarcus could have been a game changer. I mean, we're talking about three non-contact injuries now. Yeah, crazy. And again, the biggest part is if you're playing with LeBron, you're going to be a role player. And when DeMarcus was you know, when I was and I was one of them talking about him, arguably being the best center in the league, it was because everything ran through him. Like he got all the touches in the world, he could showcase everything that he did. When you become a role player, now one a role player and with high expectations, like deep into the playoff ex- expectations, uh, you have to be efficient with every touch and. You have to find ways to impact the game when you're not touching the ball. DeMarcus doesn't have a whole lot of experience in doing that. So, um, you know, I know from the Warriors that they kept a pretty good lid on it, but this year was a challenge. Um, Getting Marcus kind of with the program, finding ways to take advantage of what he does well, helping him understand what he doesn't do well. And uh, and making that work, and so well, that's I think it is because you feel like you would feel like you would 
get it by now, you know, after all those injuries and try and really make it right by this at this point? Well, I, you know, I mean, yes, but it's like Melo. Like, Melo had the perfect situation in Oklahoma City. And I would have thought that the Rockets could have been a great situation if he accepted who he is and if he had the wherewithal to be, you know, good at this new role. And some guys just aren't. Some guys, some guys are just, they have spent their entire life with the ball in their hands and asking them to play and play effectively without it is just asking too much. Rick, man, it was great talking to you. You're always welcome back on the show. Where can we find you? Uh, you can find me. You can find my podcast at Buker Friends, uh, Buker and Friends, uh, iTunes, or pretty much wherever you get podcasts. Um, you can see me on FS1. You can read me on Bleacher Report. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at Rick Buker and on Instagram at Rick underscore Buker. That's R-I-C-B-U-C-H-E-R. Great stuff. Thanks, Rick. We appreciate you. You're always welcome back on the show. You got it. Appreciate it. Thanks. Talk soon. Yep. There it is. Episode 90 is in the books. Big shouts to Rick for joining in. We appreciate you. Let me know how you feel about this episode right on the comment section of your Apple Podcast app. Go punch down on that subscribe button as well. Be on the lookout for episode 91. Combo out.